Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, here we go again. We're uh, still in the same spot. <laughs> but uh, we were talking a little bit before this. Uh, we both uh, first got started with our vaccines, so we have a, a glimmer of hope for the future. Um, I'm really excited about it. We both kind of got uh, called in early uh, for some no-shows, so I'm really excited about that for us. Uh, but it's been a minute since we've chatted, and uh, just wanted to, to check in, see how you're doing, man. How's uh, Upstate? Well, I, I think not chatting is just not good for me. I think uh, I, I think that I've become a little bit, I've become a little dependent on ch- checking in with you and our <laughs> guests. And I think it's been uh, what three weeks, maybe, since we talked to uh, mm-hmm. Nick and Humphrey. Yeah, must be about three weeks. Um, and you know, so much has happened. I um, mean, obviously, the return of warmer weather has been is is good for us. I could I could feel the vibe. Oh yeah, people going out and uh, spending time outside is is lifting the mood. But but um, you know, we still have a little ways to go. Um, we're we're we've got a little bit of uh, uncertainty still in the air. But um, we also don't have a guest today, so this is harkening back to uh, when we when we started this thing when you and I talked. I think the first three it was like. Yeah. Our individual episodes uh, mm-hmm. before we had our first guest. And I thought, you know, it would be really great to just catch up with you because, like I said, I've become, I've become a little dependent on this. But also, um, it would be fun to take a look and, and project a little bit ahead on what might come up on uh, with the show. But also check in because you've got some stuff going on in your life, too. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about... My little crisis. I had a crisis two weeks ago, dude. Yeah. So, so you said, and um, <laughs> there's, yeah, there has been a lot that's been, that's been going on. I feel like these last three weeks have been absolutely wild. Um, a lot's happened uh, in both of our lives and yeah, man, it's, it's good to, to sit down, talk about it. Um, and I also think uh, revisiting kind of like the roots of our show is, is a good thing too, because I mean, there's a reason why we got started and that was to have, you know, really meaningful conversations. And for a lot of the time, you know, these conversations aren't the most convenient or they're not the most comfortable, but they're very important to have because we need to kind of extend communication and and really just uh, see each other for for who they are and, and, and feel felt with our words. So you mentioned to me uh, quite a few times that you had a volcanic week in a volcanic event. So um, tell me, Albert, what what erupted in your life? So, so I guess uh, I'm starting on on this episode. We're going to talk about me first. Oh, I mean, and, I can and, go and, on mine. No, right? no, no. We can talk about you later. Let's start. Let's start with yeah, me. I, mean, I, I, I think don't that's mind the pressing it. issue. <laughs> you you introduced uh, you introduced it, and I'm just going to go with it. And uh, where I'm currently actually on the second day of a staycation. Um, okay. It's not really COVID uh, related why we're not traveling. Uh, it's just both of us have been working really hard and uh, we needed time off. We didn't really decide make any plans. We just felt like pulling the plug on work for a week. And uh, already I could feel the the uh, relaxation and is, is doing wonders for me. But 
two weeks ago, I really was in a state. You know how you get in a good smooth groove and you're like, oh, I'm beyond all the shit that used to upset me. I'm so calm. I'm so happy. Everything is so good. And then you have a shitty couple of days. And in my case, those shitty couple of days uh, escalated into a full week, which for me is an eternity, a week of what I call crisis mode. And um, you realize it's very humbling to realize that you don't leave those little demons behind fully. You, you throw them off the scent. You minimize them. You get more familiar knowing how they behave, but they're still demons. And they, they come back and, and uh, say hello to you again. And it can be a little crushing. Uh, it, can be, um, it can really be disturbing to realize that you're still, um, you're still vulnerable. Here's the word. You're still vulnerable. And here's, here's what happened. I went to the city and uh, I had chores to do and, and a couple of people to see. I actually went back in town to actually see, partially to see a friend who was visiting. Uh, and I thought, how great that somebody was actually coming to New York. And I thought, I have to celebrate that because, you know, we haven't done much of that these days. And I went back to New York and I had a really great positive uh, weekend. And I got back in my car. I took a beautiful drive. It was a gorgeous uh, day. Uh, on a Monday, and uh, I drove up to the house. And uh, when I got in my garage, I was—I literally felt like, "Oh my God, what? I'm—I'm I'm in a good place." And I pull out my phone and see that I have a text from a friend who's telling me that he's in a hospital with his young son, and that the young son had gone into a serious, uh, a serious health. Uh, crisis. And uh, he was reaching out to me because he had found out that his son had a had type one diabetes. That's what triggered this enormous um, uh, health crisis in his three, three year old son. And it was, you know, I do work. One of my clients uh, has uh, type one diabetes and I do a lot of work with helping her promote uh, JDRF, Juvenile Diabetes, uh, Diabetes Research Foundation, was the original. I think they just go by JDRF these days. Anyway, I was sad. It just put me in a very sad sort of existential philosophical mood of, you know, just thinking how different, how our lives change so quickly. And my heart went out to him. He was, you could feel this kind of fearfulness in his voice. And you know, he was reaching out to me to say, hey, could you reach out to the artist you work with? Maybe you could get me uh, some advice, et cetera. And of course, I, I was happy to help. But it just made me it just made me very philosophical that night. And I remember just feeling like just one day you get a call and your your life takes a different tra trajectory, whatever that might be. So that, you know, OK, uh, I was feeling some strong empathy, sadness right there uh, later in the evening. I read a, a tweet, um, which was basically reaffirming uh, a position the Catholic Church had that gay people would not be able to be married. Um, you know, they, the Catholic Church would not recognize gay unions because uh, we are sinners. Sinners. And, you know, normally, I mean, look, it's Twitter. You're supposed to get pissed off on Twitter. But normally I just scroll past it really fast. And I, um, I didn't scroll past it. I mean, I used my, my 
Twitter, mostly for work. It's usually tweets about uh, music, but sometimes, of course, I can't resist it. I have to tweet about politics. In this case, I felt a strong urge to just tweet back, hey, uh, lapsed Catholic here, just want to remind you guys, Jesus said, don't judge others. That's actually what Jesus said. He said nothing about homosexuality, but he said, don't judge others. And uh, I got a, uh, a lot of hate mail. I got a lot of nasty responses, uh, some from people claiming to be, you know, very devout Christians, which of course was, you know, just gave more bite and nastiness to the whole experience. But, you know, one person actually went as far as to say, well, this is basically your all gay people deserve to die. And I had heard and seen um, other people be the target of such a hated, hateful comment, but I had never gotten a comment saying you should die. And boy, oh boy, did that set me off. It really, it triggered, you know, triggered so many feelings of anger. It, it, it made me just feel so belittled to have someone talk to me like that. And it, it, um, it obviously set off a lot of other things in motion. Um, and I, I very quickly sort of backed off. I definitely didn't go to the, you know, send another tweet, hope that I was going to make a point, hope I was going to convince somebody otherwise. I just let them have their moment. Uh, and of course, after that, I realized why I would not want to be in the public eye. I don't think I could handle being a public figure. Like think of these kids who were in a school where there was a mass shooting. They, they're 17. They become a, a gun, gun uh, 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 person, Go, uh, uh, gun control advocate, and suddenly they're a teenager being stalked by the media and being hated and being, you know, all kind of manner of nastiness hurled at them. And I thought, you know, that it really explained why I never, why I never uh, pursued any kind of public, public uh, kind of job like that, because I don't think I could handle that much, uh, uh, you know, negativity coming at me. Anyway, by the end of the week, my mood was basically the human race is horrible. I hate the human race. Um, I realized I just basically wanted to pull the plug on my life. I literally researched uh, cabana prices uh, like in Florida, like what is the cheapest I could live and how long could I live if I sold everything and just disappeared? And of course, along the way, I picked a fight with just about everybody I, I know. And anyway, as a result of all this, I, um, I really put myself in, a, I call it a ditch. I just fell in a deep ditch. And for a week, I was kind of inconsolable. I didn't want to talk to people. And uh, anyway, that's the setup. I guess you could call it, uh, you know, okay, that's the setup. We could talk about about how it resolved and, and what I learned from it. But I just wonder if, if you want to uh, jump in and let me take a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a sip of coffee. It's sure, morning. I'm gonna yeah. Have a sip of coffee. I mean, dude, that's a lot. Um you know, a, a lot of things came to mind whenever you first said that. Um, the first thing was, uh, you know, Bruce Feiler talked about this a lot, was the pileups. And it seemed like a lot of things piled up on your plate very quickly, very stressful things. So that's, that's a lot to deal with. It's a super hard pill to swallow. And, you know, if you haven't been used to, you know, swallowing those really hard pills um, in a long time, it can be very shocking. And, you know, if you're out of practice with that, or if you're just, it catches you by surprise, 
I mean, who expects you to be a perfect person 100% of the time? So first and foremost, give yourself a little bit of self-compassion. You don't have to be perfect. No one's expecting Albert to be perfect 100% of the time. Um, And second of all, it's good that you realize this because, you know, if it did set you off and and put you in the ditch, you know where you're at right now. And that's okay. Um, Health crises and and health things are so hard to deal with. a big part of where I'm at right now is, is dealing with health crises. So, I mean, I feel you, it's really tough. Um, my uncle is going in for jaw surgery tomorrow. He's got an eight hour operation, um, where they're going to remove his jaw, take out his femur and relocate it to his face. Uh, yeah. So like diabetes is a lifelong, you know, endeavor. It's, it's just another chapter in life that is just always going to be there and you're always going to have to refer back to it. So, I mean, who wouldn't be upset if someone they cared about, you know, and their child just has a a very serious illness. So dude, first and foremost, it's okay. You're, you're allowed to feel these, these thoughts. So I'm glad you, you got it out and I'm glad that, you know, you know where you're at right now. And I think regardless of the, the resolution, what's really important is, you know, you recognize that because without that recognition, I mean, it doesn't matter what the the outcome is, it's, it's going to be different. So I'm, I'm proud of you, man. It's, that's a good thing. Wow. Well, first of all, I mean, those were all really great points that you made. And I mean, I love that you're referencing our chat with Bruce because I, that was a really very helpful chat that we had early in the season he he definitely you know gave us the whole language of the earthquake. I for, forgot the pile up though, so this was a pile up. Um, yeah, it was definitely a pile up. And just to uh, go a little more deeply, I had hinted on social media that I was having a rough week, and you know people wrote these kind of like supportive comments, but no one DM'd me. No one wrote, sent me a DM and said, "Hey, dude, you want to talk about it?" So of course I use that. <laughs> as further evidence, like I know when someone says I'm having a rough week, I DM them and I say, Hey, do you want to talk about it? And nobody did that. And of course I use that as an excuse to say, you see, it's further evidence that people don't pay attention to, to each other. But what I really was saying is people are not paying attention good, uh, to me. And of course that fed on a sense of resentment. Why should I care for people? They don't care back. Okay, it's you know that circular thing. So that was that was definitely part of that lava, the lava flow uh, that I that I was talking about. It was seething underneath because, of course, one of my key issues in life is conflict avoidance. I don't like conflict. It's part of my. We go back to my origin story that I told <laughs> you at the beginning. Yep. Being caught between my parents and their divorce, it's still there. I still want. I don't want conflict. I don't like conflict. And the bottom line is conflict happens and I may pretend I'm Mahatma Gandhi, but guess what? I am sublimating that anger. I am pushing it deep inside me. And two weeks ago it came out, but in me, I don't punch a wall. I pull away. I completely, I pull myself so far away that I don't allow anyone near me. And I, I suppose there's something natural sometimes about being hurt and pulling away, but 
to reference the, the book that you and I have been reading. Um, the book is called Unwinding Anxiety. We're going to talk about it. But to reference that book, all it does by pulling away is increase the isolation and the pain that I'm suffering. Um, so I, um, I could talk in a sec about how I, um, how I started to come out of the, this bad cycle I was in, but I just want to go back. I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your, your uncle's situation. Was, was that like a sudden, like suddenly he had pain issues, blah, blah, blah. And nobody was expecting what happened. Or is this something you've been, he's been dealing with for, uh, for a while? Uh, a, a little bit of both. Um, so, I mean, with like most people, um, during the quarantine, uh, going to the, the dentist, going to regular checkups didn't really happen. Um, yeah, see, you're kind of doing Holy that. Like, shit. yeah, me either. Um, and that has gotten me wanting to schedule a dentist appointment very quickly, but yeah, he went to the, the dentist, you know, kind of after this whole thing was checked up and they're like, Hey, you know, it's like, there's this abscess in your jaw. Uh, we're going to try to remove it, you know, and they did some more scoping. They did some more x-rays. They're like, okay, this is pretty serious. Um, you know, it's, it's beyond the point of just a removal. We're going to have to like replace it. I mean, I don't know all the the details, but you know, that's kind of what my family's been informing me of. And yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it was, it was kind of put off a little bit on his end, but at the same time, I mean, who thinks toothache and equates that to, I need to get my jaw replaced. So it's tough. It's just one of those things that, you know, life throws your way and you kind of have to take it in stride. Um, Cause I mean, there's, I mean, there's a million things that you could have, should have, would have done, you know, if you could go back in time, but the reality is that we're here right now and this is, this is what we're dealing with. So it's, it's tough. And, you know, we're all, we're all feeling for them. And, I wish that was the the be all end all of all of my family's health things, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> there's quite some other things. My other uncle on my mom's side, uh, he's back in the ICU again. Uh, he's had quite a few bouts with cancer. Um, this one is going back in, so you know it's tough. He's he's had uh, melanoma and different types of uh, you know very. Uh, whatever the, I think it's malignant is when it spreads throughout the body and not, not benign. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Malignant means it's, it's spreading in some way. Metastasizing is a phrase that says when it's Mm -hmm. gone from one place to another, I believe. Uh, I I think, I mean, clearly a very important message that you're giving uh, is we've been in a pandemic. If you have put off um, a, a checkup with your doctor your dentist. I mean, Adam, really fear of God, a little fear of God here about this one. I I've been to the dentist, but I've not been for my checkup and I am going to make my, my checkup appointment. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean that, that is harrowing what you just Mm -hmm. said. And it, it goes into that philosophical, uh, uh, place of why is one person have to have so much on their plate? Why does Mm -hmm. one person have to deal with multiple bouts with cancer? Um, like your, your uncles had to deal with and another person just doesn't have to, it's, it's a, it's luck of the draw. It's the lottery. We don't know. Mm -hmm. It's coded somewhere in our genes. It's what, whatever it may be. And it's, it's very hard. We live as human beings with that, um, that reality rather, rather oppressively part of our makeup as, as, you know, fragile, fragile human beings at the same time, 
we also have this incredible resourcefulness and power in and resiliency of overcoming things. I'm always shocked and amazed at watching people who go through really challenging health things and emerge. I mean, I saw that, that uh, film Meru. Did you, have, did you ever see Meru? The uh, I think it's mm-hmm. called Meru. It's the it's a it's one of the h- highest, most difficult mountains um, to climb. And many people, uh, 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 you know, perished trying to do it. It's in India. And they show a guy uh, who falls in an avalanche in an, unre- you know, in a different place, has massive brain uh, uh, skull, skull fractures. He's, you see him in bed and he's got every manner of medical help keeping him alive at that point. And you're th- thinking, this guy will never walk. Uh, you know, and then a couple of years later, the guy is mountain climbing again. And you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, people, some people just have some, you know, and, and we do ask ourselves, would I be one of those persons? Would I be one of those persons who will have this, would have the strength to rally? Uh, so we're going to wish all the rallying uh, strength on both your uncles that they're uh-huh. going to get through their current uh, situations that they're in. And obviously another message is keep in perspective your own, uh, uh, challenges. You know, my challenges two weeks ago were, uh, I didn't like feeling very anxious. I didn't like feeling depressed, uh, but they weren't life-threatening, um, in, uh, in any way. And, um, you know, it's important to not get so caught up in our own issues that we don't realize, Hey, in the grand scheme of things, I'm still doing pretty okay. And I better not take it for granted. So send in all the positive health, uh, health vibes out to your, to your family. And uh, I'm sorry that I'm just sorry for them. And I'm just, you know, hopefully they'll be on the other side really, really fast. Yeah. Same here. I mean, it's, it's tough, but you know, this is, this is the cards we've been dealt and this is how we're, we're taking it on. And you know, it, it's tough for them. It's also tough on the families because that's some, some pretty major changes that are happening. Um, but it, it shows you, I mean, Hey, we're, we're human. We're not meant to live forever. Um, but you know, we, we still need to live. And, uh, kind of what you were uh, saying is that I, I picked up on is like, if, if you're breathing, uh, there's a lot going on, uh, better than there is not. So that's, that's something that John Kabat-Zinn said, and, uh, I feel like, you know, you do have to be a little bit of grateful for, for what you do have. Um, but take that with a grain of salt because a lot can happen. So it's tough, man. It's really now, tough. So all of this is going on while you also are in a, a really big moment in your life personally, yeah. you and your wife. Exactly. So, um, yeah, my wife is doing about a month. You know, she's, uh, she's real big right now. Uh, life is not easy for her. Um, and, uh, I have kind of decided to take a very different stance with this pregnancy than the last one. Uh, right now I'm currently like pre-gaming the, uh, delivery and all the sleep deprivation that I'm going to have. Um, I noticed that a lot of my morning routines and a lot of my kind of like morning health things got, a a little jacked up, I would say <laughs> over the, like the last little bit, especially with, um, you know, what, what was going on with my back and having that cyst removed, you know, I really wasn't that 
I mean, <laughs> I would, I would say I was very sedentary for a couple of months. So I don't want to go into this with like, you know, not having a good workout routine, not kind of having a whole lot of energy. So, um, I kind of, uh, substituted all of my Instagram time right now for personal health things. And uh, I've been, been working out. I ran for the first time. So that's why we're not getting as many of those wonderful Adam morning fixes of yes. <laughs> uh, awareness and positivity. Well, they're missed. I know. But I understand. I mean, it's a big decision. You have to do it. You have to take care of yourself. Got to do it. Yeah. And the last time around, you know, there was a lot of like, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was just kind of like, okay, let's just just go and do it. Uh, this time, I know it's I know it's coming. So I'm like, you know, I really want to want to have like a good routine so that even though there's nights where we're not going to get any sleep, you know, I can carve out like some time to go on a walk. I can carve out some me time, and I want to be in a good place where that's like a, a regular habit now. So I don't have to like search for additional energy when I'm completely stressed out and, um, you know, try to be down on myself because like, Oh, I'm sleep deprived. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with this new baby here. There's a million things happening at once. And on top of that, I'm not taking care of myself. So for me, I'm just, I'm really just trying to pregame this event right now is like the best way I can put it. Um, because it's going to be tough. And I know like, <laughs> like the next six months afterwards are going to be, are going to be a struggle. I mean, they were last time and you know, it's, it's coming again, but I feel like the experience and the knowledge that I have, um, from the last time is really going to help me out. Um, I've learned from it. I know, I know what things that we could do better and I know things that went really well and some things I'm just going to have to accept and just be like, okay, like this is, this is what's up right now. And I got to do it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> It is. Man. Well, I mean, my God. So it's, I mean, just remind us for viewers, maybe who didn't catch some of the earlier episodes, you have a younger, a, a young son. How old is mm -hmm. your son? Uh, he is two and change right now. So he's, um, I don't know, his birthday was in January. So he's, <laughs> he's two and something. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, I mean, that you described that it was like the that uh, rabbit hole moment of your life of stepping into a new world, being a, a, a dad for the first time. And just, it was obviously like very, very emotional what you learned about oh, yeah. yourself, your fear that you had about being, do, be, am I going to be up for this job? But also you must've just had tremendous uh, positive energy come from knowing, Hey, uh, we can make this work. You know, we, I could, I could be a dad. I could be a good dad. I could, I can actually uh, manage this challenge that I'm given. So that has to give you, I mean, do you, do you feel like now you have a, a different level of confidence is it, or is there still the, the butterflies in the stomach and the, I mean, how do you know, how does that feel? Yeah. I don't think there's like one solid emotion that I'm feeling. There's a lot of things that arise all the time. And it's just kind of dealing with what's going on. Of course, I'm nervous. Um, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong, but there's so many things that could go right. Uh, I'm excited. You know, we, we've done this once before. I'm really excited to grow my family. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a little confident too. Like I know the, the plan and procedure. I know what happened last time. You know, there's this whole like hospital, you know, vibe and procedures and stuff. So um, I know how to navigate those a little bit better. So it, 
it's everything all at once. And it's just uh, coming up. But, you know, what I'm trying to do right now is just prepare myself and my family for the best of it and for the worst of it, if it happens. So there's not really one thing that I'm feeling. It's, uh, it's, it's everything sometimes all at once, uh, which can be overwhelming, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's a little manageable and, you know, I can relate to my previous experience and be like, we made it through last time. We're going to get through it again this time. Did you find out uh, in advance? Do you know the the sex of your child? Or... Oh yeah, it's it's another boy. Uh, we're going with Ethan this time. Oh, um, you already have the name. You already got the name. You are yeah. pre-gaming this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, sweet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're excited. It's 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 going to be an adventure. Uh, <laughs> we who knows what's going to happen, but well, lucky baby, May May is a good month for a kid. Yeah. It really can't be too cold or too hot. I mean, when you're born in a, a month that can't be too cold or too hot, you have a, a decided advantage in life. Oh, yeah. I mean, the last time with the Damien, you know, it was freezing cold. It was January 18th. You know, there was snowstorms. It was just, there was a blizzard when she was delivering. So this time I feel like the weather is definitely going to help out. We're going to be able to get outside a little bit more, get some fresh air going a lot more walks and, um, you know, along with, uh, everyone kind of getting vaccinated and stuff, it's not going to be so, so scary outside. Um, and All right. here's, here's yeah. a question. Here's a question for you. Sure. When you have to be focusing so much on, on family and prepare preparation, do you get, I mean, you mentioned doing your routines and, and making me time, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, how how tough is that battle? Are there times where you're just like, holy smokes, I really, you know, when being a dad is like kind of full-time deal, um, how, you know, do you, is it is it, are you constantly wrestling with that challenge of taking good care of yourself while you, you are focused and do what you need to do for your family? Is it is it a really, really hard challenge or have you kind of got feeling like you've kind, kind of gotten good at it? Um, You know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, it is something that you have to do. And, you know, a lot of different styles of, of me time are called practice. And I think it's practice for a reason because sometimes it's just a struggle just to, to carve out a half hour, an hour for yourself. Um, I don't think it's ever going to get any easier. Um, life's always just going to be throwing curveballs and stress at you. So it, it's really kind of down to my relationship with myself and, uh, just to kind of go back again to some of our previous guests um, from what like Michael Chernow said, um, you kind of have to do yourself. You have to, to be the person that you want to be in order to show up for everyone else. So I know that I need, I need my time. I need a little bit of privacy. I just need, I need my de-stressors in my life to, to really show up for my friends and family. So um, it, that motivates me. Uh, whenever I'm not feeling so great and I'm not feeling hundred percent where it's just like, okay, yeah, I could sleep in, I could skip this. I could just do something else for an hour, but is that hour of time invested in myself and my health, or is it invested in distraction or avoidance or, you know, just kind of satisfying, you know, my current mood. Um, so for me, that's, that's kind of my thought process around, you know, carving out my own me time. That's a really great segue, actually, into talking about the book. You and I are both reading at the moment. Yeah. 
the book is called Unwinding Anxiety. Uh, New science shows how to break the cycles of worry and fear to heal your mind. That's a mouthful. Um, It's by Dr. Judson Brewer, who we are scheduled to talk to at the end of April. So that might be the the, the last of our guests for a bit while you adjust to to junior number two, Ethan. And, and anyway, I want to use the book to talk a little bit about what you just been talking about, uh, but also go back to my, my crisis, my, my crazy, uh, week. Uh, one of the, I don't know how far in the book you are. I I'm up to chapter eight. So I'm about a third of the way through. Yeah. I've gotten through parts zero and one. I'm on part two. Okay. So you just started. Close to it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty deep. I'm yeah. Like okay. So pages in. Well, just, I mean, it's one of those great books because the premise of the book um, is fairly simple to describe, even if you've not read the book. And the reason we're going to talk a little bit about it today is, first of all, I just think it's useful given what we're talking about, but also to be fun that people can come into our conversation with Dr. Uh, Dr. Brewer a little bit with a little bit of background. But the key uh, things for me that have stuck so far, uh, first of all, is the idea that habits, habit loops are, are a very, very big um, aspect of, of anxiety and why we feel anxiety. I don't want to get too deeply into the science without the doctor here, but he talks a lot about sort of our primitive brain and sort of our, our uh, more rational brain, our newer brain, and how the primitive brain sort of... Uh, is very good at learning things fast and and repeating, getting learning from re- repeated activity, but that that activity really doesn't distinguish between good repetition and bad repetition. So if a good habit is just as easy to make as a bad habit. And the bad habits, anxiety really is uh, uh, partially, in some cases, uh, a, a result of a bad habit. That is a premise of the book. And uh, what he does is he invites readers to do these very small uh, uh, mapping jobs where they write down triggers, behaviors, and results. And I want to go back a little bit to, uh, to my little crisis, because as I'm going through this crisis, I'm reading this book because you and I are going to talk to this guy. And I'm like, oh, perfect. The podcast is making me think about these issues, making me read a book that I might have passed on before, and now the book's helping me tremendously. Um, the trigger uh, part of it, um, I was thinking of the the mood I was in and realized that a trigger, you know, one of them is conflict avoidance. That's That's definitely a trigger. But another is not hearing back from people when I when I contact them. So the trigger is no response from people. So that's an email I send, a direct message on Instagram, an email I send to a client, et cetera. Uh, the trigger is not hearing back that the, my behavior is obsessively wondering why I'm not hearing back. And the result is more anxiety. Uh, when I mapped that out, it was like a light bulb, really big light yeah. bulb went on in my head. And I realized that the trigger of not hearing from from people has to be something that I I really work on because so much of my work involves writing to people, 
that don't have any obligation to get back to me. When you send a letter to an editor at a magazine and say, write about my client, they have absolutely no requirement that they write back to you. And a lot of my sense of a purpose, self-worth as a, as a professional in my field is tied into whether or not people re respond to me. And what a, what a vulnerable place to be in a bad way um, that I'm letting so much of my mood ride on whether or not I hear back from someone who has no obligation to reach out to me. And, and this was exacerbated by thinking about social media. Um, you get this idea like, if I write to someone, they're going to write back to me. So I got ghosted recently, and I've been telling you how much that really, really upset me. Someone I thought liked me apparently has an issue with me that they're not going to raise with me. So it was part, part of the trigger. But anyway, I mapped this out, and I really believe that it helped me begin to pull out of my funk to realize that um, it, it's really on me. It's really on me to realize that I am the one setting this dynamic in motion. I am sending out that email, sending out that message. And the minute I do, if it's tied to an expectation of hearing back, I might be disappointed, angered, and made very uh, anxious. So that really was an eye-opener for me. And I will just tell you, I started uh, really looking at my list of people that I write to regularly and just thinking, you know, there are people who are really responsive and there are people who aren't responsive. God bless you, Adam. You're very responsive. If I write to you, you don't leave me hanging. I'm so grateful to you. But there are some people who aren't responsive or only respond when I push them. So I, I did a very quick round of, I have to stop reaching out to people who are not responsive. Not because I'm judging them, but I have to realize that this is a trigger for me. I have to stop the triggering behavior, which is, hi, I'm here. What do you think? <laughs> Some people don't care or they're too busy or they're dealing with their shit. But I am the only one to control the trigger. So anyway, I just want to say reading the book really was a, a part of what helped me identify why I was feeling so anxious because it's out of my control. And um, I got that's behavior I'm going to work on. And I think the rest of the book, later in the book, I'm going to learn how to break that habit. And I just being aware of it. You have no idea how many times I picked up my phone to, to send someone a message. And I'm like, mm -mm, nope, not a good idea. That's a setup. I'm setting myself up. So maybe you can relate to this a little bit, but oh, that, totally, the, the book's helping in, in, on, for this one. Yeah. I mean, I... I, f I feel very similar to you, um, in, in kind of a, a different aspect of my life. Um, but the same, same kind of feeling where it's like that huge light bulb moment. It's the Eureka moment where you're just like, Oh my gosh, I just finally found that out about myself. And now that I know it, I can recognize it and understand it and investigate it a little bit more. Um, whenever, uh, he talks about mindfulness, uh, again, John Kabat-Zinn comes into play. Um, and, it's kind of like that open awareness with curiosity. Um, and I think the, the non-judgmental side of it um, really helps out uh, with that too is, you know, right now, you know, with, with that newly found information, you are curious about it. You're discovering when that happens and you're trying not to judge yourself whenever you fall back into that, that loop. And, you know, going back to a little bit more of like the science stuff where you're saying those habit loops 
and that habitual mind, um, you know, has helped, it is easier for us to store information because instead of the long drawn out process, Hey, it's like this, you know, nice little condensed habit. It's like compressing information. It's like compressing a file before you send it on, on an email. It's just, it's easier to send. Um, so in, in that regard, it's, you know, you're kind of just like, yes, this is how my mind works. And what helped me out a lot in that book and with like a lot of the mindfulness teachings and a lot of Buddhism is just not taking it so personally um, and kind of detaching your, you know, emotions and your feelings um, to I, me, myself, like you're saying before, and I've definitely felt this way. Everything sucks. I hate everything. I just want to go on my own private island and just ignore everyone. Uh everyone has those feelings because you're just like, ah, and you just, you just want to go away. Um, but in reality, it's not that, you know, it, my life isn't horrible. My life isn't the absolute worst. I'm a human being that have had bad things happen to me. I'm a person that has had unfortunate things happen in my life. I'm a person that gets affected when they see really terrible news on social media or, you know, on TV or something. It, it does affect me, um, but it's not, you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm not the worst. My life doesn't stink. You know, it, it's, it's taking that, you know, those feelings you have and detaching it from your person because your mind is programmed to kind of pick up on these things and help you solve those kind of really complex equations of, you know, mass murder, of unexpected illnesses, of, you know, troubled relationships. All of these things do happen, but it's not because of you. It's because they happen. So the detachment, the non-personalization of, you know, negative thoughts and negative emotions, um, really that kind of, uh, was, was a big thing for me. And like you were saying, the, the mind mapping of it, um, understanding what does trigger those thoughts really gives you kind of like a magnifying glass to say, Whoa, this is what's been going on. And now like I can take that magnifying glass off, zoom back a little bit. It's like, okay, this is a lot more manageable. Let's see how we can go further with this. So I'm really enjoying the book. And I think that's, that's been helping me personally a lot. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm gr- glad we're reading it together. It's it's just, it's really, really well-timed. And uh, when we posted that we're going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Brewer, some people actually had already already read the book and knew of his work. He's um, a, an expert in, in um, uh, you know, undoing uh, addiction and, uh, you know, just realizing uh, the fact and the idea of anxiety as a form of, of, of a bad habit and in a way, as a form of addiction, in a way, um, for, you know, the, the, you know, you could dig d- deep down into how this whole psychology uh, works, but just recognizing it um, is, is hugely helpful. There were so many times uh, as I emerged, I called, you know, pulling myself out of the ditch. I decided I was going to leave some things in the ditch that belonged in the ditch. It was time to leave them there. And just that image in my head of me climbing out of the ditch with that crap at the bottom, just, I don't even know what that crap is. It's all those things. It's a little bit of self uh, criticism and, and, uh, you know, uh, Hey, why aren't you stronger? Why do you, why do you get so weak? Why do you fall apart? Why do you get angry? Why do you get anxious? You're such an idiot. 
you're 58 grow up dude i mean i don't know <laughs> that's what goes on in my head sometimes yeah. um and and you know being helped by the podcast too talking to you remember you used to talk about my gratitude journal i will tell you i've not been writing in my gratitude journal but i picked it up uh and and inspired by uh learning a, a little bit about these triggers and 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 getting some knowledge i wrote one page uh, that is just says more in one column and less in the other and i filled out about 15 things positive things that i need more of in my life and 15 things that i need less of in my life and that page has really been helping me every time i i experience something that causes me distress uh, uh i'm like okay does that have to go on the uh less i need less of that um in my life list and these little visual tools help us they really do i mean it's so easy to make fun of them and think oh you know i'm not gonna that's silly guess what it works it's really really been been um uh, helpful to me and um also to realize you know i have one friend who just always reminds me, let yourself have a bad day. Okay. I mean, that sounds like the most obvious uh, advice. Let yourself. And, but you know what? I am always trying to find the sunny side to everything. I want to be an optimist. I don't want to be a downer. I want to be positive. So for me, having a bad day is, is almost becomes like a sense of failure. Now that's a little bit of a high and highly dramatic take on having a bad day. I'm a failure. I mean, how the hell do you go from bad day to failure that fast? But I could do it. Um, so as the week went on and I felt myself pulling out of the ditch, um, one thing that happened was one of my friends who's really a talker about, about things, the way you and I talk, there's another friend who I can really talk to. He called me and I realized that our talks, my, my talk with this friend had been helping me enormously. He's been calling me regularly. And we, we talk about these issues, triggers about destructive behavior, negative behavior, and just the regularity now of our talks has become like an anchor. Um, just the way I look forward to talking to you in the podcast. I look forward to this call from my friend. It's usually on a Friday afternoon and we, we have our gab and wow, that's really helping me. I'm like, I'm having a shitty day at least. Friday at that time, I might get a call. I'm going to get that call and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be helpful to me. And then I, it all came home. I had to do that hardest of all things. I had to have a difficult conversation with, with Brian. I couldn't avoid all of this shit that I hide from him. What I tend to do is hide it from him. And then thinking I'm doing some service to our relationship by not bringing my negativity into it. What I'm actually doing is breeding resentment. A, that he's not noticing I'm suffering. And B, that I'm getting angry at him because he's not noticing, but also why is he happy? Why is he always just, he seems so self-sufficient. Like he doesn't even need this relationship. Like, look at him. He's so solid. Now I could turn, I could go all the way with that one too. Like mm -hmm. I told you, I'm going to Florida. I'm even I'm not going to even tell him. And let me tell you, Saturday, after I thought this had fully passed, Saturday we had, uh, the Saturday that ended, it was the night before Easter, which is appropriate. Um, I was like, guess what? Can't hide anymore. 
I got to have this very hard conversation. And it was, uh, it was brutal. It was kind of brutal because I realized, wow, I cannot believe the damage I've been doing to myself, hiding how I feel from per the person I'm living with. I mean, it was just like, holy shit. I, he gets it. He absolutely knows what's going on with me. He has a different way of showing uh, how he feels about me. He has a different way of dealing with stress. He has a different way of dealing with life. He's a different person. Just because you live with someone doesn't mean that you, after 20 years being together, uh, close to 25, it doesn't mean that you suddenly start doing everything the same way. It, you know, I just could not believe how many little myths about the nature of our relationship. Uh, they just, woo, I told you the volcano, you mentioned the volcano. I didn't lose my cool. I didn't scream. I didn't yell, but I said things that normally make me very like, I, I won't go there. It's like a third rail. Don't touch it. Don't. And I said them all. And yeah, for about an hour, you could see it was, it was a little bit difficult in the house, but the evening progressed. We moved on. And the next day, it's Easter Sunday, which is appropriate. It was a sense of rebirth, freshness. I woke up feeling like, okay, that was a, just a, a nasty week. That was just a dark week, triggered by a lot of things. I've learned a couple of things. It won't be my last dark week. It's going to happen again, possibly. But maybe next time, I won't go quite so far into the ditch. Maybe I will. Maybe this is an even deeper ditch. Maybe there's like, I'm going to... I'm going to fall into a chasm and I have to be like, Hey, everybody, I'm in a chasm. Throw me a rope, please. So that was, that was my week, Adam. <laughs> and very intense it was, but, um, I'm, I'm glad, man. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're out of the ditch. Um, I'm glad that you were able to, to speak with Brian. I know that's super tough, you know, just having those hard conversations, but again, I mean, you could, go in a anxiety habit loop of, you know, worrying about the future and worrying about how you could have another horrible week, or, you know, we could just be here now and enjoy, enjoy the moment for what it is. And if the future has great things, great. If it has bad things, Hey, you've gotten over everything else up until today. So you've got a pretty good track record. Okay. My question to you is when you're going into your little ditch, do you have some people that you can reach out to and you have a good habit of reaching out and say, Oh, but man, I'm going to funk. Hey, you got some time. Do you do that? Oh yeah. Got to, I, I you can't keep it all to yourself. Uh, I don't, I mean, if, if you can get it over yourself, you're probably a superhero. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd speak to, I've got a couple of really good friends that just will lend me their ear and just let me say really ridiculous things like screw this, I'm packing up and, you're Florida, me, Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's times where you just- Florida wanna... only because it's closer. I'm like, I just want right? to get there fast. Yeah, I'm like, oh. and I was thinking about it and I'm just like, man, I don't even like that time zone. Like Eastern Standard Time is where it's at. You know, there's, but it's, it's that kind of like mental fantasy of, you know, I just want to get away from this right now because it's uncomfortable and I don't want to deal with it. But the reality is, is, you know, I have to welcome- just as many negative emotions into my life as positive emotions. You have to, because it's not like they're going to go away. Um, but again, you don't have to take them so personally. And you also 
don't have to do it completely alone. There are people out there for you. And, you know, we have our kind of lifelines and our, you know, rescue friends that can just lend us an ear, let us say, you know, what we need to say and then be like, yeah, dude, that sucks. Um, so what now? And how do you feel? And you're going to be okay. So, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's tough. It's scary. You know, sometimes it's what you absolutely dread and you just want to stand under the covers, but having a hard conversation with your partner or more importantly with yourself um, will bring you right out of that ditch. And, you know, um, you can either go forward or you can stand still. That's a really, uh, first of all, I mean, you're so good, Adam. You're very good at bringing it, bringing this all together. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I mean, I love, I love hearing your take on, on this, but you said something really important about going forward. Here's my, my, my final little bow on this little thing that we've been talking about. My, my little cap, um, about being, about looking forward. We sometimes make the mistake of trying to go back to the place where we had peace and serenity in the past. Oh, I'm, I should do this, that, and the other thing. Cause when I do those things, I'm happy. And that is another trap because the truth is that past that you want to go back to for security also has a lot of the triggers and a lot of the bullshit that got you into the state that you're in. So hence, how about living in the moment, as you say, how about thinking that if maybe the future sense of ourself that we develop by living in the moment, that the future is maybe going to be somebody more, uh, well-adjusted, less anxious, more in the moment. Um, the future, instead of instead of just being a challenge and a scary uh, unknown, the future can be better, better sense of ourselves and a happier place in the universe. Um, so that was that was a real that was a really good uh, uh, thing that you mentioned that, and I I, I want to I want I just want to underline it. Because I, I want to keep that crap in the ditch and I want to keep moving ahead. I don't want to get off the bike and be afraid to get back on the bike. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to make any, any rigid rules about how it's all going to play out. I want to just enjoy my day. So this was really well, really well timed that you made time. For, I know you have to work today and we, we, we probably can't talk much, much longer, but um, I'm always, I'll just say it on the air, just here for you, Adam, if you ever need to do that late night text, dude, I'm having a rough night. Let me know. I know you're going to have uh, another kid in the house. I hope we're able to do our chat with Dr. Brewer on, on April 26th because I cannot record and post a podcast without you. It's not possible. <laughs> and uh, I do uh, one last thing want to say, um, you know, we talked about doing some shows with, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day coming up, um, you know, talking to do about uh, some shows about parents down the road about people's relationship to their parents, pe being parents, anything that involves parents. So if you've got a good parent story, being one, uh, uh, dealing with one, uh, good story, inspiring story of how you have the best relationship ever, maybe a tough story, uh, DM us, let us know. Maybe there's a story that uh, you want to come on the air and actually tell us. And we'll just play it by ear. Obviously, Adam's got some things that are going to change his schedule. And you'll let us know how that plays out. And uh, all we ask is that the folks listening be patient as we uh, make a, a couple of 
fresh adaptations to life, life intervening, life growing and changing. Yeah, that's uh, that's really great. I'm excited for those uh, new shows. Uh, definitely uh, <laughs> some topics that I'd, I'd love to talk about. Um, so again, yeah, Albert, you're an awesome dude. I love you, man. You're such a great friend. Um, and I'm, it's been a pleasure doing this and, uh, we're not going to stop, but it's definitely going to definitely going to take a little pause <laughs> after, after the birth. So I appreciate all the listeners, uh, being patient and, um, you know, enjoying the show as it continues to grow and evolve. This has been another episode of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. Thank you for listening. <laughs>